You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Noelle Herhusky Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, July 25th, 2022. Later in the program, demonstrators gathered outside the Indiana State House earlier today to protest Indiana's proposed abortion ban. WFHB News speaks with several protesters. More in the top half of today's program. Also coming up in the next half hour, WFHB Assistant Program Director Christine Brackenoff speaks with Jesse Marchbank, the State Programs Manager for the All Options Pregnancy Resource Center in Bloomington. Demonstrators gathered outside the Indiana State House on Monday to protest Indiana's proposed abortion ban. Indiana is among the first states to consider a ban on abortion after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the landmark 1973 case, Roe v. Wade. Abortion bans are expected to happen in about half of the U.S. states. WFHB News attended the protest outside the State House and spoke with several demonstrators to capture how they feel regarding the state's proposed ban on abortion. Catherine, a protester from Floyd County in southern Indiana, walked through her reasoning for attending the protest. Um, I'm here today to just protest for abortion rights. They're deciding on an abortion bill. This is the first date of the session, and I'm just here to fight for it and voice my opinion. Indiana Senate Republicans introduced a bill that would ban abortion ahead of a special session that took place at 1 p.m., Senate Bill 1 would ban all abortions in the state except in cases of rape, incest, or where the mother's life is in danger. Catherine gave her reaction to the Senate bill. Um, I support the exceptions because I think those are very important. Like I've heard stories from many women who they were that exception and they're more than just that percentage. They are real people. But I think that it is entitled to every single person because if I choose to have sex and if I get pregnant at a young age, I shouldn't be forced to carry that, and that's something I believe in very strongly. She said that due to the Republican supermajority in Indiana, she expects the bill to pass with little opposition in the Indiana General Assembly. I mean, because this is a Republican state, I'm expecting what I think most people are expecting. I'm expecting this bill to pass and that abortion will become not legal anymore, except in those cases. And I think a lot of people are dreading that, but I think it would be foolish of me to assume otherwise. Catherine said that abortion rights are in jeopardy in the state. She described how the recently introduced legislation made her feel. I mean, as someone that has a uterus and has the ability to like make life, it's pretty terrifying because I want to become a doctor and like I don't want to have to do anything that would put that in jeopardy because I w- I plan to wait a while if I ever plan to have kids and like this could affect my future very drastically. Diana and Jasmine came to the protest to let their legislators know that they do not support the rights being taken away from them. Um, I 
came today just because, you know, there's been a lot going on surrounding the Roe versus Wade being overturned and now with, you know, Indiana um, looking to make changes to the abortion laws here. And I just, you know, I'm not super hopeful that they're going to, our legislators are going to change their mind on the, you know, legislation that they're proposing. But I want them to know that uh, Hoosiers don't agree with, you know, having strict regulations and that kind of thing so this is our future like I'm young so I care about like what happens to my body it's my choice so I feel like people should know and understand yeah Diana and Jasmine explained how they felt when they learned that Roe v. Wade had been overturned for me I mean I was it was such a depressing day that day just because it had been you know settled into law and the fact that they you know, totally overturned it. And, you know, just taking that right away from women was, it felt so unfair. Anger, a lot of built up anger, because I feel like, once again, it's my body. So, yeah. Diana said that although she is glad that Indiana has included exceptions for rape, incest, or if the mother's life is in danger, she is not hopeful they will protect the rights of all other women. I mean, I am glad that they are still keeping those exceptions in place for rape and incest and the life of the mother. Um, I'm glad for that. I'm not super hopeful that they're, you know, going to change their minds on what's already been proposed. But I, you know, like I said, I just want them to hear our voices and know how we feel about it as women. Next, we spoke with Diamond, who said she came to the protest to meet like-minded people and to speak out against a bill that would impact her personally as a woman. All right, first of all, can we get your name? My name's Diamond. What brings you here to the protest today? I just wanted to feel more united with more people that feel similarly in my beliefs. I didn't want to sit at home anymore or sit back. Indiana's Republican senators introduced a bill to ban abortion with exceptions for rape, incest, and if the mother's life is in danger. What are your thoughts on that bill? I feel grateful that we have that because some states didn't even get that ability. But I also feel like it's not enough. It's taking away our simple rights. So it's tough because grateful that we didn't get what everyone else did but we still need to get our full human rights, so there's more. I feel that I'm grateful that I live in that state, Indiana, here, that we have the ability for those extreme circumstances, such as the rape and incest and protecting women in that way, but I also believe that we need more as human rights, so overall our rights should have been protected overall. And how did you feel when you found out Roe v. Wade was overturned? Like, in that moment, how did you feel? Disbelief was my first feeling, like just shock. Unfortunately, not total shock in our government that it happened, but just like that it actually went through, that we did it, like as a people that they did it. How do you feel about both sides of like being here and just like the debate itself, what does it feel like to you? I'm shaking right now. It's uncomfortable to see that specifically women we don't all agree as women like to see that y'all truly don't believe we don't have a right 
that someone could say what you are supposed to do with your own body. Because specifically, it makes me, I think about like women that have disabilities that cannot carry children, you're forcing them to carry their children. It's like putting more hardships. And I think about like the after of like making them carry children and it's more to it than just having the baby. There's no support after. It's the mental health that comes after. I don't just think about the physical. It's the mental health, and it's like, it, there's no support for that part. So it's hard to see it's not. We can come together on other things. Why can't we come together on a human right? So it's disappointing to see it like this. What do you expect to happen with the bill being passed? What do you expect Indiana to do? Not much. Like, because of how our state is, like, and let me preface this with saying, like, I don't follow much in the government, honestly. But when it's something that pertains to me, like, I do want to, like, get more involved. And I think this is, like, how I started, like, my first answer, why I want to be here. I don't want to sit around anymore. This pertains to me. So this is a part of me, like, getting more involved. So I don't think too much will change, but I do hope that there is support for the women that they are allowing to get the abortions. I hope that it's easier for them to get them and less, like, hoops to go through and that it's support after the um the process. I hope it gets out and there is more support for just basic human rights and community. WFHB News spoke with two protesters, KK and Ayla, both from Indianapolis. Here's what they had to say. Um, we're here to fight for our rights and to help people understand what actually goes on with abortions and how in a lot of cases they can actually help people. And then I'm here just to fight for bodily autonomy and for people to have choices over their own body. Well, the bill doesn't make any exceptions for the health of the mother, so it's only if she's going to die because of the baby and not if, like, she will have some other chronic condition because of it or something like that. And it's just not enough because it says, because rape or incest, that says that women can only have bodily autonomy over their own body when it's been taken away from them because of rape. So I think it's really awful. She covered a lot, but I think that the bill doesn't cover everything. There are trans women who it doesn't apply to and a few, like a lot more, so it's not enough. What do you expect to happen this week when it comes to Indiana abortion laws? Not good. We have a super majority in the House and the Senate of Republicans, so there's a really good chance it's gonna pass. Best case scenario, somehow the Democrats get an amendment make it ever so slightly worse. Maybe they'll add in health of the mother or something like that, but it's not going to be pretty. Um, okay, with with abortion rights being in jeopardy here in Indiana, how does this make you feel? Really angry, but so like when, the, when they authored the bill last week, I cried. But now, you know, I was upset, but now here I am trying to put that frustration and anger into something positive and to making change. So. It made me sad. Just like KK, I cried as well. Um, because it's unfortunate, really. But like she said, we're out here trying to teach people and educate them on what they can do for us, for the majority of Americans and people around the world. Indiana Senate Republicans said that they hope to take a final vote on Senate Bill 1 by Friday. Then, if passed, the bill would go to the House for consideration. If passed in the House, the abortion ban would go into effect on September 1st.
Up next, we have some recent prison-related news and announcements from the producers of KiteLine, our public affairs program devoted to prison issues in the Midwest and beyond. KiteLine airs each Friday at 5.30 p.m. on WFHB. The program is available online at wfhb.org or wherever you get your podcasts. With a summer heat wave pushing temperatures past 100 degrees Fahrenheit, many Texas inmates fear dying or falling gravely ill. The Texas prison system houses 120,000 inmates, but only 30% of their units are fully air-conditioned. Inmates and advocates believe that the actions taken by officials to mitigate the dangerous conditions continue to fall short. A new report released this week by the Texas A&M University Hazard Reduction and Recovery Center and Texas Prisons Community Advocates stated, quote, Without air conditioning or regulated temperatures, the system will continue to be under extreme stress, and members of the prison population will remain on the brink of potential health emergencies. This could kill them, but if it doesn't, it will certainly degrade their health over time. The report also described oppressive working conditions caused by the lack of air conditioning in prisons across the state. The head of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice described this as contributing to recent difficulties filling 7,000 vacant prison jobs. On Friday, July 15th, a prisoner at Lansing Correctional Facility outside Kansas City, Missouri, was stabbed by another prisoner. Randall Bowman, Executive Director of Public Affairs with the Kansas Department of Corrections, stated that staff members who responded to the stabbing were assaulted by other inmates. Four staff members were injured and received medical attention on the site, while another staff member made the decision to get additional medical assistance. Sarah LaFriends, a Department of Corrections official, stated that the incident occurred at 7 p.m. in the pod, a section of the facility that houses violent offenders, and described a, quote, loss of control over that area of the prison. The city of New Orleans has been ordered to continue a $60 million jail expansion project after the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld an order from U.S. District Judge Lance Afric. He stated that the, quote, special needs building will ensure that people with mental and physical health issues can be jailed without violating their constitutional rights. Although construction crews haven't yet broken ground, plans for the jail have been in the works for years. Under pressure from a federal consent decree mandating reforms at the existing jail, Former Mitch Landrew agreed to build the facility, and the former sheriff, Marlon Gusman, supported the expansion. New Orleans' current sheriff, Susan Hudson, and New Orleans' mayor, LaToya Cantrell, argue that the new building is a waste of resources, suggesting the city instead renovate the existing jail. The U.S. Department of Justice and lawyers at the MacArthur Justice Center, who represent incarcerated people at the jail, said the city has violated their consent decree by halting work during the pandemic. In January 2021, Judge Afric issued an order requiring the city to continue the expansion. The city appealed to the circuit court, arguing that the sheriff's office now provides adequate care, that the jail's population has dropped, and that the city lacks the funds to build the new jail. But a 15-page opinion, drafted by Judge Risa Hawkins Barksdale, a George Bush appointee, stated that the current jail lacks suicide-resistant cells, activity space for programs, or an infirmary, and that the city's assertion that it didn't have enough money to build the expansion also, quote, lacks merit. The city has $48 million in available FEMA funding. Architectural plans for the building are now complete, 
and have been submitted for review to the City Department of Safety and Permits and the State Fire Marshal's Office. Next, the City will begin formal procurement for the additional funding needed. Construction is expected to take two years. Timothy David Ray, a spokesperson for Sheriff Huston, stated, The citizens of New Orleans elected her to serve as their sheriff, embracing her commitment to retrofitting the existing jail. In light of the decision from the Fifth Circuit, the sheriff is exploring her options and considering next steps. In today's feature report, WFHB Assistant Program Director Christine Brackenoff speaks with Jess Marchbank, the State Programs Manager for the All Options Pregnancy Resource Center in Bloomington. We turn now to that interview. Can you please share a brief overview of what All Options Pregnancy Resource Center is and does? Sure. All Options Pregnancy Resource Center is a program of All Options a National Organization that has been providing unconditional support and promoting reproductive justice since 2004. In 2015, we opened this Pregnancy Resource Center in Bloomington, Indiana, and it was sort of like a physical embodiment of what our organization has always stood for. So We've for many years had the All Options National Talk Line, which is pretty much one of a kind. It's one of the only places that someone can call and talk to someone in a completely judgment-free, supportive manner. We have peer counselors all over the country who answer these calls and are prepared to talk to people about pretty much anything relating to pregnancy, parenting, abortion, adoption, pregnancy loss, infertility. And so that's been going for many years. And in 2015, we opened this center as a way to make a physical manifestation of the support that we've always given. That started with both the Hoosier Diaper Program and the Hoosier Abortion Fund. So since 2015, we have distributed well over 3 million diapers to local families. And not only diaper support, but just sort of um, unconditional parenting support. And that also may mean abortion support because we may help 30 people in a week diaper their children. And we may also help 30 to currently over 60 people a week access abortion care. But sometimes those are the same people. The majority of people getting abortions are already parents. And so it's, it's not either or, and we've always represented that. So the same person who needs diaper support for their 18-month-old now may also have an unplanned pregnancy that, that they need help finding a solution for. So we provide abortion funding and information and support to help folks access abortion care. The Hoosier Abortion Fund is not only here to fund people's abortion care, but also to provide them with information that's unbiased and factual and up-to-date about what is possible for them legally. And it's really, now more than ever, it's a very important resource for people who aren't sure where to turn. What has All Options experience been since Roe v. Wade was overturned? Well, 
It hasn't been fun since the first starting with the Supreme Court leak that happened. We have been inundated with new interest and uh, new scrutiny in some cases, and and also just renewed awareness of the fact that abortion funds exist. So the abortion fund line in a busy week six months ago, we may have only received 30 phone calls. That felt like a busy week, 30, 30 calls. And we may have funded 10 of the people who called us in a week. But since May, and then increasingly since June and July, we've been seeing well over 80 calls a week. And it's not because people are suddenly having more abortions. It's because, first of all, there's a sense of urgency and a sense of fear. And more people know that they can come to us for funding and information. So we've been very, we've been very busy. And like a lot of the everyday Hoosiers that I talk to, scared, angry, anxious, we, we know that in Indiana, we already have some of the worst national rankings on maternal health, on child poverty, access to health care, affordable child care, paid leave, all of these things. The state of Indiana is already not supporting families. And what they're proposing, they, they say that they're proposing increased family support, but even what they're proposing isn't enough right now. It wouldn't have been enough five years ago, and it certainly will not be enough if, if they decide to completely restrict abortion access in Indiana. So we have been very busy working with our partners in the reproductive justice movement. There are, you know, there's a national network of abortion funds and practical support networks, and we work hand in hand with them to ensure that people can still access care. And um, so we've been working a lot behind the scenes. We aren't often at rallies or protests because we're a small organization and we're focusing most of our efforts on the day-to-day direct service and care that people need. So for instance, just this week, we had, I think we had 45 families come here for diapers on Monday. And so all day long Monday, I'm running in and out the door. We do contact-free diaper support. And um, between running diapers out the door to people, I was then returning phone calls and text messages to people also seeking abortion care. So it's, that is what we're doing all day long is we're helping people access abortion care or information and also access the important resources that they need to raise the babies that they have. Can you please tell us what the Hoosier Abortion Fund is and how it works? So the Hoosier Abortion Fund, it is a statewide fund to help people access abortion care. It's open to all people living in Indiana, age, income, insurance, immigration status. None of those things matter. If they contact us looking for help, then we will try to give it. And that may mean helping them find an appointment in another state. It might mean helping them find another appointment within Indiana. And people contact us either via phone or text. More and more, we're doing a lot of text conversations with people because it's it feels a little bit easier for some people to have these conversations that way. And we send them a brief application form for funding. We don't collect anything we don't absolutely need. And 
then if we are able to help them access care, we do that in the form of sending a monetary pledge to the clinic the person is going to. So say they're going to Women's Med Center in Indianapolis, we generate a pledge and we send that to the, the clinic that says this person on this date, the Hoosier Abortion Fund will cover up to $300 of this person's abortion care. Are there currently volunteer opportunities available for folks interested in getting involved with All Options Pregnancy Resource Center? Yes, there are. We, uh, as I'm sure people can imagine, we have been receiving a pretty big influx of folks who want to get involved in some way. And um, as we are a really small organization, we definitely want to work with volunteers and, and there's so many ways in which people can get involved. People can, well, they could come help here at the Pregnancy Resource Center and help hand out diapers on Mondays or deliver diapers to folks who can't get here in person. We have folks who want to, um, in the future, drive people to and from their abortion appointments or help in other ways that are of practical support. We will have opportunities for people to do things like making care packages for post-abortion or post-pregnancy loss care and a myriad of other ways from um, just writing letters or contacting legislators or taking public actions. So they can learn all of that. Either they can go to our website, certainly uh, www.all-options.org or through our social media. We are we have both our national All Options and our All Options Indiana or All Options Pregnancy Resource Center that are all part of the same. The best way to get information about the Hoosier Abortion Fund is really on our website. The local pregnancy center website is alloptionsprc.org. And if they need to contact the abortion fund, either for information or support, they can call or text at 812-727-4423. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Kate Young and myself, Noel Herhusky Schneider. Our feature was produced by Christine Brackenoff. Kite Line is produced by Mia Beach. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. 
Stay tuned for With Good Reason, coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer 